Lister. Yeah. Promise Tribe family has grown. Two children. I think it's two weeks, right? Yeah. That's why the Catholics are so big. What? I'm going to introduce the law in the church. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful today for all the wonderful things that you do for us. You are love. You're the source of love. You're life. You're the source of life. All love and all life comes from you. We acknowledge that. We appreciate it. We receive it. Thank you for welcoming us into your family as your children. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that the word will go forth today for those that have ears to hear, hearts to receive. It'll help change their life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I am bringing the secrets of our 50-year marriage to an end. This is the fourth in the series. I'm going to finish it today. Um, the reason is that I've had something burning in my heart. The Holy Spirit just dropped into my heart a prophetic message, actually a prophetic series, and I've really been itching to get to it. Um, and uh, it's called Preparation for Fire, Ice, and Famine. Fire, Ice, and Famine. And it's a preparation. And I, I believe that we are already there. And um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to tie in with how you prepare for those. And it, it actually works perfectly with the, the release of the publication of my new book. Uh, because there's things that we're facing that, are, that actually, if you have eyes to see, if you're spiritually aware, you will identify and recognize exactly what I'm going to be saying is the truth. And uh, the question is, how do we prepare for it? How do we spiritually and physically prepare for it? Because it is coming. It's not if, and, or maybe. It's coming. And you need to know what to do. All right? So we'll start that next week. All right, so number four uh, secrets. Number 12 if you, uh, is called forgiveness. Number 12 is forgiveness. Now, obviously, you're going to have to go and listen to the first three to know where I'm at. But let's read Matthew 6:14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Now, this is very, very applicable in a marriage setting. As I was sharing for the last few weeks about the mess-ups that I've made in our marriage, had Jackie not forgiven me, we wouldn't be here today, and everything that God had planned or had purposed for the last 40 years would have been lost, undone. Everything that God thought that or planned that we as a couple would do would have been lost if she didn't forgive me. That is how important forgiveness is. Consider this, that God's future plans for your life individually and as a couple depend on the fact that you're willing to forgive your spouse. Well, I thought I'd get a better amen then, but that's okay. Turn and say, I forgive you, honey, and then we can get on with the sermon. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, Love keeps no record of being wronged. Now, you know, there's a couple of ways that 
people respond when they get wronged. And uh, I write about that in my book, uh, Yes, You Can. So I'm not going to get into a lot of detail, but I want to mention two of the most predominant ways that people respond. They either boil over, in which they let you know how, how they're thinking. They give you a piece of their mind, and that's the reason they have so little left. So they really let you know how they feel. The alternative is that they actually don't. That what they do is they suppress their anger. They suppress it. They don't speak out. And what they do is they shun you by being quiet. They withdraw. So when they're offended or hurt, instead of emoting their emotions, they withdraw. And they feel that withdrawing is a punishment against the person who offended them. So they're going to shun you, not going to talk back to you. They're just going to keep quiet. But what they're really doing is suppressing anger. They're angry, but they don't want to talk about it. So they're suppressing. The anger stays there. Now, you all have had IOUs, right? You know what an IOU is. But what I want you to avoid is a URO. M. What is that? You owe me. You owe me. And so what happens when there is this argument or whatever happens, there's an offense, and you bury that unhappiness, you hide that unhappiness in your heart, you go, you owe me. I'm going to get you back for this. I'm going to get you somehow, someday, somewhere. And you let the sizzle. So what you don't want to do is collect you owe me, all right? All humans are prone to make mistakes. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. Or say owe me. Therefore, all of us will need forgiveness. Correct? Every one of us are going to need forgiveness at some time in your life and usually daily. Right? Yeah. Usually daily. Except for Jackie. But usually daily. Now, why is it that we find it easier to forgive strangers than the most important person in our life? Isn't it? Yes, yeah, thank you for shouting it's wrong. I, I appreciate you shouting it's wrong. But in fact, that's what happens. Why is it that we, there, there's this greater forgiveness that we have, this greater mercy uh, for maybe somebody in the church or a stranger than for the closest person to you in your life. Uh, you know, it could, be, it could be the proximity of the person because you're with them all the time. So they keep on messing up. The stranger does one mess up and you don't see them again. But the person you live with, before their feet hit the floor in the morning, there's words. There's something that got said. Maybe I should face that way and preach. <laughs> so, we have to watch out for this selective mercy. Yeah, yeah. Mercy to some people and not to others. Do you know that forgiveness is one of the highest forms of demonstration of God's love? Forgiveness. Because Jesus came to forgive us, didn't he? He paid the highest price for us. But withholding forgiveness 
is actually an attempt to control, take control of that person. That's what you think you can do. I'm, I'm not going to forgive you, and I'm going to shun you, and I'm not going to show you the mercy. I want you to suffer my anger, and as long as I hold unforgiveness back, you're going to grovel to get my forgiveness. And that is exactly the opposite of the way God likes to do things. Because you see, trying to exercise control over somebody by not forgiving, if you think about this, forgiveness is the actual ultimate release of power. Because when you forgive somebody, you release your marriage to move ahead. While there is unforgiveness towards someone, you're bound in that situation, and that relationship cannot grow any further. So think about how many marriages died because of unforgiveness, couldn't go forward, and ended up on the rocks because of it. Now, if you're going to have a healthy marriage, and I, I hope you're listening to this even if you're single, if you're going to have a healthy, thriving marriage, both people have to learn how to forgive each other. It's not a one-sided thing. You both have to learn how to do this on a regular basis. Otherwise, forgiveness will become a root of bitterness. And a root of bitterness is something that's growing. In other words, I like to visualize it like this, that it's the root of the vine, and that vine sends its tentacles throughout your entire body, around your bones and around your organs. In fact, anger and unforgiveness may be one of the root causes of arthritis because what it does is it causes inflammation in your body. And inflammation is the most dangerous thing that you can have, right, doctor? It's the most dangerous thing that you can have because everything finds its root in inflammation. But inflammation is caused from anger and unforgiveness, suppressed. Who would have thought? So, <clears throat> now to forgive and to forget... Probably unlikely, because we have memories that go back to those pains. Maybe not possible. But you know what you could do? You could ask the Holy Spirit to help you to look forward instead of backwards. Jackie is most famous for saying that to me. She will always say, but it's done now. It's over. It's done. Let's look forward. Let's move forward. It doesn't matter what it is. I want to stay back here and talk a little bit. She wants to move forward. And that's it is. Jackie wants to move forward. I want to go back. So you should ask God, I believe, you should ask God that you could live a life of grace and a life of forgiveness. Live that way. Don't let anybody get to you. Because if you don't forgive them, they are controlling you. Because that, that unforgiveness controls you. And you take it wherever you go. You take a vacation with you. You take it to meals. You take it anywhere you go that unforgiveness is with you. And uh, that's what you talk about. It rises up with you and talks about you. And it embitters you. It's a bitter taste in your mouth. It takes the fun out of your life altogether. All right? So if you need to forgive somebody or your husband or wife, make sure you take care of that as quickly as you can. Secret number 13, communication and connection. Communication and connection. Now, during your courting days, this happens naturally. You're looking into each other's eyes. 
If you go for a meal, you're holding each other's hands and you're looking at each other when you're not looking at the menu and you're talking and when you're not texting, you're, you're engaged. Isn't that right? Yeah. So there's this, there's this, this intimacy that's taking place, this face-to-face -face talking and engagement and it's communication. Very, very important. I'll never forget one Saturday morning, uh, we took the family for a, a, a lunch, and, and this is when we used to go out with the kids on Saturdays when they were still young. And we went to an in-out burger, and uh, there was a father and son doing father and son time together. And the father had a newspaper, and the son was trying to talk to him. And he couldn't have been older than about 10 years old. And so he was trying to make communication, trying to talk to his dad. And his dad would go, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Flip a page. Uh, uh -huh, mm -hmm. You know he wasn't listening at all. When he's finished the newspaper, the kid had already picked up his iPad. And now the kid was playing on the iPad. Now the father was trying to talk to the child. And honest to God, the child kept saying, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saw this with my own eyes. How many families go through that because we're not engaged with the person, they're trying to talk to you, but you are preoccupied with something else in your life and you're not giving them that attention that they need. See, being together doesn't mean you're engaged. It doesn't mean you're present. And you have to be present. This is a problem with me. We'd be driving in the car, coming to church or going somewhere, and the children at the back talking with Jackie, and I'm driving. And my mind has a, has a like, it, it goes off. Okay, it just goes and goes. And so I lose track of my surroundings, where I am, because my mind is like sharp, it's out there somewhere. And then I used to come back when the children would say, this is earth calling dad, this is earth. <laughs> This is earth. Come in, Dad. Do you remember that? Yeah, I haven't forgotten it. I learned some valuable lessons. But uh, so that is when you are present, but not present. You're there, but you're not engaged. So um, Jackie and I, because we worked together for so long in the ministry, we would obviously discuss the issues and what we had to do and different plans that we had and so on. But when we went on date nights or on vacation... We had to literally fight the temptation not to talk about the ministry. Because we took it with us wherever we went. This was, I mean, this took up 90% of our life. And so we had to say, no, we're not going to talk about that. No, we wouldn't. If one of the parties would start, uh, we said no. We said no. And, and, and nobody got upset with it because we had set our own rules. All right? It's like... You set your own rules when you don't want to speak negatively. You don't want words to come out of your mouth. And you say, listen, we're people of faith. We're not going to say those things over our family, of our children, of our finances. And when someone says it, you go, mm, what did you say? What did you say? And now if you're cooperating with the person, you say, okay, I'm sorry. Shouldn't have said it. Shouldn't have said it. All right? So uh, that's what we did. We had a fight off that. Communication is critically important between a husband and a wife, especially in our busy lifestyle. You, you get so busy that even when you're with each other, that your mind is focusing on issues that you have to take care of. So to connect, you must be present with your spouse. Must be present. Your eyes need to engage. You need to talk to someone. I had 
a, a, a problem as a pastor, and uh, what would happen is that people would line up to talk to me, especially after service. And so I'm talking to one person here, and then somebody else would try and get my attention here, somebody else would try and get my attention to let them know, let me know that they're waiting to talk with me. And so what would happen is my eyes would dart across there, dart across there because I'm being distracted. And I come to realize that it was rude, that I was not engaging the person in front of me, that I was saying, you're not significant, you're not important, that somebody else is more important than you. I want to get away from you. Yeah. Now, I learned that lesson a long time ago, and I haven't done it in this church at all. So if you felt shunned because you were waiting, it wasn't that the person I was talking to was more important, but at that moment, engaging with that person face-to-face, eyeball to eyeball was more important than letting them feel that they were insignificant. You think that's a good thing? All right. So if you're standing in line, just stand. Amen. We have got catchers. To the men, to the men, become a good listener. Become a good listener. Women want to be heard. They love to talk. So let them talk. Amen. Hello. One amen from the front here? I got notes from the ladies. These are your notes you sent me. Yeah, why are you talking on marriage, Pastor? Would you say this? All right, that's the last time I take notes from you guys. Let them talk. But hear me. While they're talking, you better pay attention. Now we're getting it. Now we're getting it. Okay. Maybe I should stay this side. Both of these amens came from this side. I'll preach to this group. They got, they got it. Okay. So pay attention. Don't be doing this during the sports game you're watching on TV. No, no, we were engaged for three hours. No, you weren't. I'm glad you're here today. Because if she says to you, what did I say? And then you say... You, you wanted me to go and get some bread? No, that's not what I said. Or you might be lucky and you might actually be able to repeat what she said. But then, she, but then she's going to say, yeah, but why didn't you do it? Mm -hmm. So, now, ladies, listen, husbands, listen. Ladies like to talk. They'll... they'll after work, whatever it is, they get to talk, and then they will tell you their problems. Okay, because their day is not complete until they've told you the problems they've been through. But then, now we're getting the amens from the guys, all right. All right, now we're getting these guys excited waking up. So now, they tell you your problems. You have to pay attention now. This is, they're telling you their problems, okay. But if you say, I'll fix it, They'll say, I don't want you to fix it. I want you to listen. But as guys, we want to fix it. Tell us your problem, we'll fix it. Done, right? Done, what else? What else? I want to watch the game. What else? What else is going on? Done. Are we done now? Is your life fixed up? Yeah. They don't want you to fix it. They want you to listen. They feel better. See, a, a man doesn't come home from work and say, listen, sweetheart, 
My day's not over until I spend 45 minutes telling you about my day. I've got to tell you about my day. The wife's going to go, what? <laughs> All right, so. Now, one of the most powerful methods of communication is encouragement. Encouragement. You would expect to be encouraged mostly from the person that loves you the most, that's closest to you, that believes in you, trusts in you, and they would have words to say to you that would make you feel great. Okay? Jackie does it all the time to me. All the time. Non-stop. She encourages me. She encourages me. She prays for me. She sends me out with the angels. She, she tells me how much weight I've lost. Nothing has changed. My weight is still the same. But she, <laughs> she tells me that I'm looking the best I've ever looked. And I'm so excited that I'm looking the best I've ever looked. But the scale doesn't say so. But, but she thinks I'm looking the best. Then that's what's important. Hello. Okay. So it's all about her encouraging me to keep on doing what I'm doing or to reach for a better goal. And guys, how about doing something like that for your wife? She depends so much on you speaking words of encouragement to her. So communicating. Listen, I pray. Listen, I pray this prayer over you guys every day that their marriages would have good communication. Do you know that? I actually pray that because your marriage without communication is dead in the water. All right. So talk to each other. Take time to talk to each other. It's very important. Now, here's the thing you need to talk about. Talk about the finances. Talk about your financial situation. Do you know that most marriages that, get, that come to an end where divorce is involved are financially related? It's, there's a problem with the, mine, with the money? Yeah. I spend a lot of time talking about that in my book, about money. And I, you know what? I encourage you. I'm not trying to sell a book. What you should do is get the new book and read it to each other so that you can get your money in order and get your finances together. Because if your finances are not together and in place, and if you're struggling financially, you're going to struggle in every area of your marriage. No, you don't have to believe me. The truth is there. If you could take money problems out of the marriage, what a difference that would make. Amen? All right. So we talk about talking to each other. Every day, every day, around 3 o'clock or 3.30, I stop what I'm doing. This is not the first time I'm going to the room where Jackie is, but I'll stop what I'm doing. I've got Cindy here as a witness, and Amanda as a witness. I'll put in a pot of coffee, and then I'll go through to her room. I'll sit there in the easy chair. And when Amanda was working with us, she used to make those chocolate balls. That's part of the reason I've lost the 10 pounds since she's been gone. <laughs> Because I forbid the new person to make them. They were that delicious and they were healthy. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And I would go sit there in the room with Jackie and she'd be lying on the side of the bed. They would turn the bed sideways, prop her head up a little bit, and I'd spend the next 30 minutes just talking to her about anything. In the middle of the day, just out of my day, come sit there. And that doesn't mean we hadn't had lunch together or sat outside and you know, on the balcony watching the flowers grow. But I would take that particular time to give her the attention that she needs. She's locked, locked up in the room all day, and I'm running around doing different things in my office. And so I want to bring my attention to her. It's like with Cindy and I. Every, uh, uh, every day when she leaves home, I walk her out to the car every single day. Watch the dog do the business. She loads her car. 
hug each other, give her a prayer, send on her way. Because talking is one of the most valuable things that you can do. Now, every night, 7 o'clock, every night, we turn the TV off, and I'll pull up a chair next to the bed. She'll be propped up. I'll hold her hand. And for the next 45 minutes, we will talk about our past, what we've been through, our present, what we're going through, and our future, what we hope to achieve, where we're going in life, what's going on in your life, what's happening. And I'll share with her different things, and we'll talk for 45 minutes, and then we'll pray together before she goes to sleep. You need to know, obviously, we pray separately, but we also spend some time praying together. You don't have to pray long, maybe five minutes, you know, a few minutes, doesn't matter. But you need to pray together. You heard it said a family, a couple that prays together stays together. You've heard that said. Um, and you know, guys find it difficult to pray in front of their wife. I don't understand why, but if you pray privately, you can pray all the intimate things you want to talk to God about. But when you pray together, you don't have to be that intimate about your personal life. You know, you can pray about general things, about the children, about different things. But there's something about praying together that is very, very important in a marriage. It's part of talking. All right? Are we good? Okay. All right. Secret number 14. Hurrying along. Secret number 14. I've got 13 more to go. <laughs> play together. Pray together. Play together. Play. So when we got married, the idea was that we were going to have fun and enjoy life with each other. Is that what was your plan when you got married? To have fun? And to play together? And to enjoy life together? Isn't that? Yeah. So why did that go away? Why did you stop having fun? So I'm going to quickly show you a couple of fun things that we did. All right? A couple of fun things. We went hot air ballooning, whatever. There, easy. Slow down, cowboy. <laughs> Hayner just hurt his foot playing soccer, uh, playing uh, football. And I believe it, was, it might have been Jackie's birthday, I don't know. But we decided we'll go down Del Mar and we'll go ballooning. All right, next one. And this is Whitewater Rapiding down through the Grand Canyon. And uh, we took the family out there. That is Jackie hanging in front of there and very exhilarating, sleeping under the stars. All right, next one. Uh, Jackie swam with the dolphins after the stroke. This is after she had the stroke. You see her right arm? See the right arm? Yep, after feeding them, we, okay, can I control it? <laughs> I've lost control of this service. Don't call me boss for nothing. So she actually got on, they actually ha did this. Dolphins would come around, we're all riding with the dolphins, and we've probably done that. But this was Jackie, she wouldn't quit her excitement. All right, keep going, now we go, next one. Here we go, this was before her stroke. Parasailing, it was in Aruba. All right, thank you so much. Now, we used to love to laugh. And as you've known already, you've been through this last four weeks with me. I like to laugh. I like to tell jokes. You don't laugh at them, doesn't matter, you'll catch it later. <laughs> All of my friends have great senses of humor. I would not let Cindy marry Terry until I found out he had a good sense of humor. Everybody that is close to me has a good sense of humor. 
you have to to be able to be close to me. <laughs> but you need to laugh. All right, laughter is medicine. Amen? Amen. All right. In fact, Jackie, Jackie said this many, many times. She said it was my humor and laughter in hospital kept her alive. And she says that now. The, the laughter and, 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 you know, you can make fun of anything. It doesn't matter how serious things are. You, you can make fun of it, and, uh, and, and you can laugh. Are you laughing at me? You making fun of me? All right. So uh, we love to travel. One of the things that we dreamt about doing, so we like to travel. So one of the things we did um, before Jackie the stroke, we went to Israel. Been to Israel, you've got to go to the Red Sea, the Dead Sea. When you go to the Dead Sea, when you go to the Dead Sea, you put on the mud from the Dead Sea. Can we have the slide? You put on the mud. That's supposed to be really good for your skin and everything else and so on and so forth so very hard to get off because it's oil based very hard they tell you afterwards they tell you afterwards okay and then after after the stroke we continued to travel we traveled all over the world i could bear you i could make you tired of all the places we've been to next one is us in paris in front of the eiffel tower we had lunch in the eiffel tower when we were up there the next one is in madeira and uh, this is off the coast of spain now, the interesting thing about this here is that us, that is us riding a cart with no wheels. It's a wooden cart with a wooden sleigh underneath. And this, it, the mountain is so steep coming down to the bottom that they have this ride. They have those two guys, and they'll push you, and they start, and then they'll jump on the back. And you're riding down this thing through the streets, down the, all the way through the streets. I know, crazy, right? And, of course, I took my camera out, did a little video. They're trying to make a, a picture of what's going on. So... This was after Jackie's stroke. Another one after stroke is we went to Bora Bora, one of my fam most famous islands in the whole world. There there's those little huts out there on the water, and we were enjoying swimming. Another place we loved to go was Hawaii. Now, we went to Hawaii before she had the stroke. The reason we went there was because we loved snorkeling, and that was a beautiful snorkeling uh, little cove or whatever that you, that you could go to, beautiful uh, shale and rock and the water wasn't very deep, it was great. So we arranged vacations to go to places like that so we could continue to have fun. Now we also arranged a vacation to Belize. And Belize is a beautiful place, it's very rural. Uh, they don't have uh, paved streets, they all have sand streets there. And, and everybody drives little go uh, golf carts around. So that's a, that's a great place to go. And we went snorkeling. Um, there and it's a great place to snorkel and one time we were snorkeling in the water and we came around and there was this milk shark about I would say seven feet and Jackie came right up and there was the shark down there in front of her so we trying to backpedal with fins <laughs> and then Jackie dived down and she got hold of a gonk if anybody knows what that is this is this is a gonk and uh, it's alive it was alive <clears throat> Got it up, and the guide we were diving with cooked it for lunch, barbecued it, and then cleaned it for us. And so we still have this as something that Jackie pulled up from the ocean bed. Pretty big, huh? But pretty, isn't it pretty? Yeah. Surprising what we eat these days, huh? Anyway, then uh, we were still uh, at Belize, and uh, we were walking back to our hotel. As we were walking on the beach, Hotels are real close to the beach. There was a band playing, 
Um, and their music was loud, so it was coming all across the beach. And uh, we recognized the beat. Hey, I recognized the beat. Uh, it was a cha-cha. So right there on the sand, under the stars, on the beach, Jackie and I danced. And we were doing cha-cha in the sand by ourselves under the stars in the night while the band was playing the hotel next to us. Have fun. Spontaneous. Just do something that create memories. These are memories that we will never lose, correct? Never lose them. All right. So then, um, you know, there was another thing that uh, after the stroke, this was this is an important thing. Because we try to keep up our life as much as possible. After the stroke, <clears throat> I said, Jackie, let's go snorkeling again. She wants to go snorkeling. Let's go snorkeling again. After the stroke. So our ship docked. And Cancun, and Cancun has beautiful, clear water, just amazing. So right there, the 40 foot of water, I asked one of the people on the crew to help me. We got some fins on Jackie, and we got a fin on the one leg, and some snorkeling things, and he helped us down the rocks, okay, down the rocks, two of us, got into the water, and flipped down into the middle to do some snorkeling, right? We did some snorkeling. Now, <clears throat> what we didn't know was that when you've had a stroke, that the side that is affected doesn't work, so you can't balance. So she kept on flipping over because the one side wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So when you're trying to stand up like this or to try and snorkel, put her head down, she'd roll over. She just kept rolling over. I said, sweetheart, the fish are down there. And that's who I am. The fact that... The fact that she couldn't stay facing down because she's rolling over because of the stroke, I didn't go, oh my God, what has life come to? Look at this. What have you done? I said, no, 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 let's make fun of this. Let's make fun of this. Let's go down. Let's put fishes down there. Where? Down there. Where? True story. But we snorkeled. We did it. We had fun. It didn't last more than 10 minutes, but we say we did it. Amen? We did it. All right. Then, our family day. Jackie was always about family day. She says, Saturdays is family day. We've got to go out. Our kids were young. We've got to do something with the family. So, boy, did we go to see everything from here. You, Disneyland. We went to uh, Magic Mountain, Knott's Berry Farm, Six Flags. We did it all. And we also loved to go snow skiing because we didn't do snow skiing in South Africa. But we went snow skiing. <laughs> Yep, we went snow skiing with the whole family. There they were, young. You know, they complained. They complained, don't want to be with my friends. Go, well, we are your friends. <laughs> we're your friends. While we have you at home, we're your friends. We are going to enjoy each other. That's the reason I had you. <laughs> Not for you to have friends. <laughs> friends are forbidden. Anyway, we've got, a, we've got another picture there. Jack and I skiing. Beautiful. And one more that, with the kids. Aren't they good looking? Look at these kids. Oh, fashion, fashion. I, I t there, was, there was a sale of ski equipment downtown. And we bought so much ski equipment that we actually couldn't afford to go skiing. This was the, f this was the following year when they could wear those things. All right, focus... Number 15, number 15, secret number 15, focus on meeting each other's needs. Now, this is where we started. We're going to be 
Finishing up here, I said we need to meet the needs of your spouse. That's what it's all about. In Philippians 2 and verse 9, it says, Each of you should, take, should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And obviously, that would certainly be the interest of your spouse before you go to interests of strangers. All right? If you think that marriage is about meeting your needs, you've got the whole thing of marriage mixed up. You've got it back to front. Okay? You think that when you're getting married, you're saying, I'm so in love with you. I want to be with you the whole time. You're going to meet my needs. It's just satisfying me. It's so nice. No, 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 no. It's about you meeting the needs of your spouse. That's the secret. That is a major, major secret. Otherwise, your marriage will be lacking and frustrating. Because you'll always be wanting the person, the other spouse, to meet your needs, and that's what you'll be looking for. In the meantime, if you turn it or you flip it around, say, I'm going to meet your needs, it will change. So if you want to have a thriving, happy marriage, focus on meeting your spouse's needs. So now, the need I'm going to talk about right now, of course, is very unique to us. But every, every one of you, have own, you have your own needs. It doesn't necessarily have to be a physical need through sickness or something like that. Um, it, it's probably emotional. It could be physical and something else. But in our case, of course, it became uh, a physical need through, through the stroke. So I want to show you something that some of you have not ever seen. It's a picture of Jackie's brain. This is what her brain looks like. It was taken uh, in the year 2005. The white portion is the portion that's missing. Uh, it doesn't exist, and you can see it blends right across into the other side. So at least 50% of her brain is gone. It is not there. So that makes it a greater miracle when you speak with her to realize that the portion that's missing is the portion that you see with, portion that you hear with. Um, the things that would be necessary for motor skills are gone. And the fact that she can do what she's doing is a total miracle because she's doing it without a brain. So I say that a woman with half a brain is better than a man with a whole brain. <laughs> and that's just me making fun again of the situation. You understand what it's like to live with me? Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, love me or leave me, that's all it is. So what did we do? Well, Jackie wanted to go and get stem, cells, uh, stem cell injections to help with, fix this situation. I didn't think it was possible. But eventually, I found a place in China. We were living in Florida at the time. I found a place in China by going online. And they called me back and they said, yes, come. We've got a special invitation to go to Red China, two hours in from Hong Kong. And uh, they met us at the station. They took us to a hospital in China, 19 stories high. It is a, a, a government hospital. But the top floor is dedicated to uh, neuro research and to stem cell, especially for Westerners. So we went there. Can I see this? This is one of the nurses uh, talking with Jackie back then. And then if you could give me the next one. While she was there, she had to do physical therapy. This is a machine. They actually hung her from a machine. And there was a conveyor belt underneath her. This is very similar to what you would do at a gym. You know, your, your treadmill. Just it's the same thing. And then that guy there on the floor was helping move the leg through. So she was doing treadmill. She was being suspended from the air. All to try and get... The motion um, should have the stem cells every second or third day. Do another one for me. This is us. Uh, we would go out uh, over weekends when she wasn't getting treated. We'd go out and have a look and visit 
uh, place around here. You may not be able to see that, but right over my shoulder there is a Starbucks. <laughs> Just giving a shout out for Starbucks, right over there over my shoulder. They're all over the world. Never fear. All right. Shenzhen, China. Okay. So <clears throat> I want to just say this behind every complaint, behind every complaint or frustration is actually a cry for an unmet need. Somebody, they're letting you know that they have a, me, a need that you haven't met. And so don't take criticism at its face value, don't take complaints at its face value. Because we're always criticizing. Well, then she's got a lot of needs that you aren't meeting. You've got to find out why she's doing it. Why is she saying what she's saying? You've got to get behind the, that facade that you're getting in. So I'm going to give you a way to find out. You want to hear about it? Yeah. I'm going to get a way to find out. So uh, turn and give somebody next to you a high five. Give them a high five. All right. Turn and give the other person a high five as well. All right. So... What I want you to do in your time at home, I want you to do a high-five list. A high-five list. Now, this exercise you can do. It uh, doesn't matter if your marriage is superb. This is not just for marriages that are in trouble. Any marriage can do it. And even if you're single at the moment, it would be a good idea if you have a high-five list. You can just first date. <laughs> Make it a lot of easier. You don't have to talk for hours and hours to find out who you are. And what's going on? So, read this. If you can do this, we'll have a second date. Okay, so, um, what, what, what five things do you need from your marriage? What five things do you need from your marriage? Now, I'm going to give you some examples. You're, you may have your own, but I'll give you some examples, all right? These are some things that you may need. So, you say this, I need... To feel like, the most, like I'm the most important person in the world. Or, I need to feel that you care about what I'm saying. Or, I need to feel that you would change your plans if I needed you. Or, I need to feel that you care about me that, let me just say, that you care about what is important to me. Do you care about what's important to me? And then, I need to feel that you would protect me. Would you protect me? And that's not only physically, that would also be emotionally and verbally. If, if the person that you love is being attacked verbally by somebody else, you need to get in and defend your spouse. Get in and defend them. You tell that person, shush, you don't talk to my wife like that, you don't talk to my husband like that. Okay? Uh, you're a protector of that person. If you don't and you walk away from that situation, your spouse will wonder, how come you didn't jump in when that person was saying what they were saying about me? How come you didn't love me enough to defend me at that time? Okay? So there's just five ideas, things that you could write down things that you could think about. Come up with your own high-five list, all right? Once you've done that, here's number, question number two. For question number one is, what five things would you, do you need in your marriage? Question number two is, what practical things can my spouse do to help me feel this way? 
What practical things can my spouse do to help me fi- uh, feel those five things that, I, that I've listed? What can they do? Because you see, they don't always know what it'll take to make you feel that way. That's why husbands will say, tell me what to do and I'll do it. This is your opportunity. <laughs> tell him. Tell him. So come up, with some, come up with some ideas. Listen, if you would do this, I would feel like this. If you would do this, I would feel like this. Let him know, the silly sausage, what he's supposed to do. <laughs> Don't leave him out there on the barbecue to grill. And listen, be specific. But, but. But stay positive. Please don't turn this into I'm going to beat you down session. Okay? Stay positive about things they can do. And question number three, make plans, make plans to take action. Make plans to take action. Wherever you can find help. uh, uh, Sorry, let me read my notes. Make plans to take action wherever you can to help your spouse experience his or her high five. Don't just talk about it. Don't just say, well, this is what you could do. Take action. So when then you draw aside by yourself, just like I did with my planner, my day planner, to make Jackie feel loved, to make her feel special, to be romantic, because I wasn't romantic. I took my day planner. There was an action step. I did something in the action step. They had minor steps, minor things I could do, but I took some action to make it come to pass. Just don't say, yes, sure, I'll get to it. All right, secret number 16, never stop dreaming. Never stop dreaming. You know, we had a dream living in South Africa. Literally was beyond our imagination that we could have this dream. But we dreamt of one day going to the Olympic Games. And in 1996 in Atlanta, we went to the Olympic Games. What an amazing accomplishment. We were just, I mean, to us it was, you can't even imagine. I thought God wouldn't let me into heaven after (laughs) this experience. It was so amazing. But there was another dream that we had too that we honestly thought might never, ever, ever come to pass. Never. At the age of 70, you don't expect this dream to finally come to pass. That means go for it. (laughs) I prayed for my grandchildren when I was 27, 26 years old. You talk about a prayer taking a long time to come to pass. (laughs) Yo, but there it is, a dream that we had. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, Jackie and I, uh, when we got married, as you know, I was at college, and uh, Jackie was supporting us, and uh, things were very difficult. Very difficult. So we were living in a tiny apartment in a very poor part of town. And uh, on a regular basis, one of the men, husbands, would beat up his wife. And we could hear the thuds because our, our walls were that close. And we made a covenant together. Jackie, remember? And uh, we had a dream. And we said that we would get out of that place. And then what else did we say? Do you remember? About never... It's just a cue. Never? What? (laughs) All right. All right. We would never live... Anything like this ever again 
in our whole life. There you go. So, we had a dream. We had a dream of getting out of that situation. So, we wanted to move up into a better environment. We had a dream of traveling the world. And as you see, we've traveled to around 75 to maybe 100 countries. And many of those happened after Jackie had the stroke. We had a dream of having our own church when I felt God had called us to the ministry. And uh, I want to just say to you this, that when you stop dreaming, you convince yourself that today is good enough. That what you've got now, you can last the rest of your life with and then you're okay with it. You ought to dream. God's a dreamer. You ought to dream. He gave you that ability to dream and to imagine for you to improve. You see, as a married couple, dreaming helps you grow together. Helps you grow together. If you're not dreaming, you're stagnating. I say it again. If you're not dreaming, you're stagnating. You have got to grow as a couple. You're not just surviving. You have to thrive. So what you need to do is you should ask each other on a regular basis, what is the dream that God has put in your heart? Is there something you feel God wants you to do? And if there is, then get behind that dream. Get there to support them in that dream. You've, you've heard me mention at the beginning of these, this series how that when Jackie was working at the church and working so hard that she said that her dream was to help me fulfill the calling and vision of God in my life. And 21 years ago, when Jackie had the stroke, I was able to take that and to flip it around and spend the rest of my life helping her dreams come to pass. So I was able to give back to her what she had given to me. And at this stage, we're in our 70s. We've been in ministry 40 plus years. I wonder, Jackie, do you still have a dream? Yes, I am. I, I, I dream that we have our own facility paid for yes. by God's money. Yes. And we will have everything that we need for a church to be 100% what we want it to be. Amen. Still has a dream. Still has a dream. We do have a dream. We have a dream of having a facility of our own, um, and it's going to have to happen in the next 12 months. The reason is our Bible college is too big to move into children's church. We have 45 students in Bible college. If you've been to children's church, the maximum we can sit in there is 20 people. Unless, of course, you want us to believe only for 20 and say, God, you can't add any more because we're limited in our size. Are we really going to limit God to what He's doing in the discipleship program and reaching out? Are we going to say, God, I'm sorry, the facility is too small? Or are we going to say, we need to have a bigger facility because we've grown to that place where we need to do that? Amen? We need to do that. We need to have a facility so that we can have two lecture rooms, not just one. And we can have a bigger facility here. And we can have an entrance hall outside, an entrance foyer outside. So when people walk in, they don't walk straight into the church and disrupt the praise and worship. Then there needs to be a place outside there. And you can have coffee out there and popcorn and friendly. Yeah, all right. And you can mess around and hang out and talk in the foyer. And we need to have bigger facilities for the restroom so you don't have to stand in line. Okay, so none of you use the restroom. Okay, I thought I would get a... 
We need bigger children's church facilities. Have you been there? Have you got children? There, there's, there's no more room. We expanded this. We've got the VIP area going. We In the children's church, we broke down and put a, a raw a, a section inside there. We have no more room to do what we need to do. We just don't have any room to do it. And so we believe that we're going to get a new place. Uh, we're going to have gardens outside. We're going to have a place to have church picnics out there. Kids can play. We can do baptisms out there. We can do all kinds of stuff out there. Amen? Uh, and and, and we, have, we can do church hangouts. And We used to do that all the time. On the 4th of July, we used to do church hangouts. We can't do it here. The, the city won't allow us to block the streets. But uh, <laughs> we can do it in the new facility. Amen? Amen? Have a dream. Dream again. Dream for your marriage. Start again if you've lost your dream. In Jesus' name. And I hope... The series has helped you and that you will be able to put some of these things to good use in your life and marriage. So it's going to be another 40 years before I share on marriage. That's how long it took me to get out this message. I don't usually talk about marriage. I talk about other things. So anyway, Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you have taught us. Uh, that, Lord, I thank you for the love of God that is shared abroad in the hearts of this congregation for each other, and especially for marriages. I pray, Lord, for marriages. Um, I pray for the communication that will be open. I pray for romance in the marriage, for wisdom for both spouses. Thank you, Lord, that you bless them financially with good jobs. Thank you, Father, that you bless them with wisdom concerning their finances. And Lord, in every area of their life, that they will be able to dream again, play together, have fun together, laugh together, enjoy one another. Lord, you made the family and you made us to, to walk this life together, holding hands, looking to the future, praying together, worshiping together, enjoying the things of God, enjoying our children and our grandchildren. Lord, it's all about being together. And Lord, when this is all said and done, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to be together as a big family. And right now, Lord, we have that opportunity to enjoy family. So I thank you, Lord, for the words of wisdom that came out in these last uh, few hours together with the congregation. I pray, Lord, that somebody would be able to use what was said and to be able to enjoy a 50-year marriage like Jackie and I have enjoyed. And Lord, for all of those who are having difficulties in their marriage, I surely pray that they would be able to grasp something that was said to bring them out of that situation, to turn that around. And Lord, one day I will receive a note to say, Pastor Henry, your life and your marriage and your teaching has helped us and we're doing wonderful. Thank you, Lord. God bless all of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you, if you need prayer for any reason, I'll have my prayer team come down here. Prayer team will be willing to pray for you no matter what you have need of. And uh, so next week, try your best to get a hold of the book, Financial Guide for Believers. It is out. It's available for you. And I tell you, uh, it is worthwhile, worthwhile reading it. Amen? It'll, it'll help you financially. So next week, I'll begin the series, Preparing for Fire, Ice, and Famine. All right. Well, God bless you. Thanks for coming out today. Yeah.